This is the Darcy Giroux Podcast, episode 25. Today, my guest is Jesse Johnson, owner of Without Papers Pizza. He joins us today to tell his experience about not enforcing the vaccine passport program. Jesse Johnson, welcome to the Darcy Giroux Podcast. How are things? I'm excellent, Darcy. Thank you for having me on. It's a tremendous pleasure, and thank you for taking the time to listen and tell my story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we get too much into the the story about what happened, um, I guess I guess it's it all relates. I'd like to go back right to the beginning, and and uh, I, I guess the first thing I'd like to know is where you learned how to make such fantastic pizza. Um, to be honest with you, that was my business partner, Angelo Contrada. Uh, so, uh, we've been partners now for 20 years. Uh, we opened our first restaurant in Inglewood, uh, directly adjacent to where without papers was, it was called Sugo Cafe Italia. Uh, we did farm to table, uh, Italian, uh, exquisite, uh, meals. Uh, his family, uh, were, uh, immigrated from Italy. Uh, they were, uh, peasant farmers and, uh, understood food from, uh, uh, uh such a basic level that, uh, if you did not understand how to, uh, grow your uh, own uh, vegetables, if you did not understand how to uh, slaughter a pig uh, and uh, make use of all of it, uh, you starved. Uh, and uh, they had a beautiful appreciation for food. Um, and so my business uh, role in the uh, organization was uh, to make sure all the seats were filled. Uh, and his uh, role was to make sure that uh, we serve people uh, the most beautiful food possible. Right. Yeah. So Sugo, it, it, the, it was kind of, was it, Across the street, or was it just under underneath? No, it was literally right next door. Most okay. people think it's the same building. And um, we opened in 2001. Uh, at that time, Inglewood was a very different place. Uh, uh, you know, there was uh, crack addicts walking down the street and uh, hookers around. Uh, and we we fell in love with the uh, with the area. I literally grew up in the neighborhood next door to it called Victoria Park, uh, which no longer exists, sadly. Uh, well, the part that I uh, grew up in no longer exists. Um, but we uh, we we saw. Tremendous potential in Inglewood. Uh, we love that it was inner city. We love that it wasn't uh, gentrified yet, that it was a bit rough about the edges. Uh, and we love that uh, we could get in on it earlier. And um, yeah, yeah, we operated Sugo for 17 years. Uh, in 2010, we opened up uh, Without Papers next door. Uh, the reason that we opened up Without Papers is that Sugo was a, was a, 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 a passion um, but it was also a very difficult ordeal. It was a feast or famine sort of business. Uh, so to give you a perspective, you know, on a Saturday, we might uh, do two seatings and, you know, do 110 people uh, and then uh, reopen again on Monday and do zero. Uh, and it was uh, it was very uh, it was very hard. Uh, we made that succeed uh, simply through blood, sweat and tears. And we decided uh, at about 10 years into it, uh, I guess that would be nine years or 10 years into it, that uh, we needed to do something that was uh, a little bit more stable. Uh, and, uh, being the couple of WAPs we are, we thought, well, you know what, uh, why don't we sell some pizzas? And, uh, we had literally never sold a pizza before. Um, but we knew that we were capable of, uh, of doing it and, uh, yeah, the rest was history. Well, it really was a, a fantastic place and, uh, a special place for, for me as well. I spent a lot of time in there. Um, I sent you a, a picture of, uh, myself and the kids there that was on my birthday. 
about seven or eight years ago. Um, and yeah, I lived in Inglewood for a lot of years myself and I, I did love it there. I'm out in the suburbs now, but, um, I, I do, I do miss it. It was a special place. You know, I, I, I learned a long time ago in the restaurant industry that, uh, it's not the food that most people remember. It's the experience. Uh, and without papers, pizza was all about a chi and energy, a vibration. Uh, it truly was a, a remarkable, remarkable place. Uh, it was, uh, it's every eccentricity and every nuance, uh, was a, a direct expression of, uh, of myself. Um, I loved it. Uh, I thought of, uh, no other place that I could be. And, uh, I devoted a great deal of my time and energy to it. Uh, I was an institution in Calgary and, uh, I was a pillar of my community. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There, I, I don't remember anybody I've ever talked to that, uh, the dislike that place. Everybody I talked to absolutely loved that place. So, um, so then, then we move forward all of a sudden it is, uh, I don't know, March in 2020 and this COVID hysteria starts taking hold, not only in Calgary, of course, all across Canada and the world. Um, so what was that like? I mean, I guess at first were you, you know, what was your, what was your thoughts on the pandemic and the lockdowns and the mandates at the beginning of of the uh, of the pandemic? Uh, I questioned it right off the uh, right from the get go. Um, like everyone else, uh, I was uh, cautious. Uh, didn't really nobody had lived through it. We didn't know what to expect. But very quickly, uh, I came to the conclusion that uh, it was a complete fraud. Uh, and uh, that tyranny was now raining down upon us. Um, but <clears throat> I quickly realized that uh, it was impossible to uh, speak up against the, uh, the narrative. Uh, if you were to do so, you were to be destroyed. So we complied uh, with everything. Uh, we uh, closed down when they told us to close down. We opened up again. We closed down again. We opened up again. You know, uh, We uh, wore masks. We spread the tables out. We took the tables out. Uh, uh, it was uh, a surreal experience, uh, and it was possibly the most, uh, well, not possibly, it was the most depressing moment of my, of my life to see the beauty that I created, uh, the energy, the chi, the vibration uh, be destroyed uh, by nonsensical and uh, tyrannical uh, lockdowns and mandates. Uh, it truly broke my heart. Um, yeah, yeah, it was very difficult to cope with. And uh, most other restaurants, uh, I, I believe, felt the same as me. Uh, my place became, uh, during the uh, pandemic, uh, a, a meeting place for most of my peers. Um, they would uh, come, you know, and hang out after work. We would close at such a ridiculously early hour, you know, 8 o'clock. Uh, and uh, they would all come by. And to be honest, we would just sit around the bar and have cigarettes and talk and, you know, try to figure out and make sense as to as to what was happening in the world because nobody really knew. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, so how long, like, and I do live in Calgary, but I, you know, I feel a little, uh, out of touch on some of this. Cause I, at the time I was working away and wasn't in Calgary a lot, but so how long were restaurants shuttered for? Like, then I know it happened. They were sh shut down, opened, shut down again. Um, but in total, like how many weeks would it have been that these businesses were forced to close? Oh, it was it was months. I mean, let me think about it. I think the first, well, the first shutdown was March sixteenth, twenty twenty. You know, that day will be forever ingrained in my brain. I think, my God, when did we open up again? Months later, 
uh, opened briefly. I, I believe it was just for summer, you know, of course, so uh, that people could go out and, uh, you know, have a, a bit of normalcy in their lives. Then they shut us down again, open, shut. I'm going to guess that we were that we were shut down, meaning not customers weren't allowed to come in for God, 10 months at least. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I was, I was going to guess seven months, but, uh, but maybe, yeah. I mean, it's around that time, you know, yeah. it's around that time. Uh, and it's difficult, you know, in the restaurant business, uh, uh, you thrive on the, uh, on the people and the, the energy, uh, that the people bring. And, uh, you know, my business model turned from this, uh, vibrant, uh, uh, exciting, uh, eclectic place to, uh, literally just, you know, handing pizzas to, uh, to uh, zombies, uh, and by zombies I mean you know the, the the business model turned into skip the dishes drivers showing up in masks and you know showing you a, a number and I still remember it you know they were just one after another you know seven two seven seven and I'd be like you're not a number you're a free man mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it just it, it, it was it was it was an odd surreal experience it really was and I try to tell people that they 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 singled out the restaurant industry. You know, you like to go skiing. This guy likes to read books. That person le- likes to uh, play chess. But there's one thing that we all do together, and that's eat. Uh, and what they did to the restaurant industry was liken going out to a restaurant akin to visiting a leper colony. Uh, and uh, it was a, it was it was designed purposely so, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. Well, that I I'm interested to know uh, your thoughts on that a little more. The because it is interesting. I mean, eating. And especially a restaurant like Without Papers was such a, a fr- you know, a friendly place. And you'd go in there and and everybody would be smiling. And a lot of, you know, you'd know, I would know people in there because, of course, it was right in Inglewood. And some of these people were neighbors and co-workers and, and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, when they did shut down restaurants, it was, you know, the one, one thing about it was it, it really did uh double harm to that kind of feeling of separation and anxiety and stuff that we get from not being around people and not having a community around us right it's absurd uh that the restaurant industry was considered non-essential uh, i can think of no other essential uh, uh purpose than to eat and to uh to be around uh, family and friends yeah well the idea that the government can decide whose business is and is essential and not is absolutely absurd um you know no matter no matter what thing they feel like targeting at the time but but if we go back to we if we go back to how so you figure it was this was all intentional like the the restaurant industry was targeted intentionally can you just say a little more about that <sighs> Uh, I'm trying to think that out clearly. Um, I do believe that uh, the narrative was pushed towards uh, 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 destroying, uh, you know, the family unit uh, of dining together. Um, And it is my belief uh, that COVID was uh, nothing more than the installation of communism itself. And uh, that's one of the uh, the foundations of communism uh, is, uh, you know, the destruction of family. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, I <laughs> I know it sounds odd for me to say that, but uh, I do believe it. And well, uh, it, I think don't worry, it doesn't it doesn't sound odd to my to my audience. I think there are a lot of a lot of people who agree with you 
on on a lot of levels there so yeah 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 it was uh terrible and you know i i, I think it was also uh, an attempt to uh to destroy the small business you know because uh there's uh some uh some risks associated to a small business for uh for a communist regime uh one of them are uh dissidents like me who uh you know have a pension to speak up right right yes absolutely so then uh going through all the those the lockdowns that was that was bad um but you guys did make it through and were reopening and then this vaccine passport thing comes in and uh you you took a stand against it i'd like to i'd like to hear about that and go into as much detail and and take as long as you like um sure uh, uh yeah, the lockdowns themselves, as I said, uh, were uh, were very depressing uh, for for every restaurant tour. And uh, very shortly into it, uh, I recognize that uh, I'm uh, I've exposed myself to tremendous risk. Uh, I don't uh, believe very much of the narrative, and uh, I knew very early on that uh, I, I wasn't even you know an anti-vaxer as uh, as uh, you know that the propaganda likes to uh, portray me as. I was simply of the stance that uh, you know what I, I I'm going to wait. Uh, and I'm just going to take like a, you know, a, a human uh, scale of time and and see what happens uh, when uh, people start taking these injections, uh, because I didn't believe the supercomputer model that they formulated the safe and effective premise off of. So really, all I wanted to do was wait. You know, I, 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 I it's possible I might have been, you know, I might have taken that vaccine uh, if, uh, you know, this year or two years or three years had passed and I'd not heard of any sort of negative uh, to it. Uh, but um <clears throat> When they introduced the vaccine passport, uh, I read that as a complete uh, assault uh, on me and uh, my business. Um, the way that the pandemic uh, had been uh, going was they took a little bit and then stopped, took a little bit, then stopped, took a little bit, then stopped. And when they introduced that vaccine passport, to me, it read that, okay, Next, I'm not even going to be able to own this business and run my own business unless I inject myself with this experimental uh, uh, concoction that they have cooked up. And uh, I knew that that was a problem. I also knew that it was impossible uh, to beg for forgiveness uh, in uh, the uh, society that had been created, that if you wanted to uh, to uh, stand against something, uh, I thought it best to uh, just come out and say what it was exactly that you were doing. So I was very careful in my initial statement uh, to not speak out against every, anything else aside from that ridiculous bylaw 6 by them 2021 uh, I made sure that uh, I wasn't making uh, any negative comments uh, regarding the vaccine, regarding uh, masking, regarding social distancing, regarding all the other Orwellian uh, uh, you know, mandates that they were placing upon us. I wanted to speak specifically to that passport. I believe that that passport uh, was against the Charter of Rights and Freedoms and the Bill of Rights uh, and was just against plain human decency. Uh, and uh, I thought that it was obvious that this was a heinous, heinous act that was being perpetrated by a tyrannical, overreaching government. I believe that when I spoke out against it, that there would be others that followed me throughout the whole pandemic. I sat with many restaurateurs. All of us, all of us believe that uh, this was complete and utter nonsense, but none of us could speak out because if you did, you were to receive the retribution I did. And I got tired of talking to people with, you know, what can you do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I just like, you know what, that's it. I'm taking a stand uh, and uh, I'm fighting for myself, my beliefs, and also for the freedoms of, uh, of all Canadians. Uh, and I had hoped 
that my 20 years in business, that my uh, my track record of uh, of giving, of generosity, of community involvement uh, would uh, would <clears throat> would cause others to reconsider, uh, you know, the hateful uh, rhetoric that was brought down about people that uh, that did what I did. But uh, I was I was gravely mistaken. Um, and so uh, I, I drafted together a, a brief statement that said that I believe all Canadians are equal uh, and that uh, I will be accepting everyone and uh, uh, a statement of love and uh, acceptance was met with the most vile vitriol uh, I've ever seen in my entire life. A community that uh, I gave uh, 20 years of my life to, a city that uh, I was born and raised in, uh, turned against me because I believed all Canadians to be equal. It was the most horrifying experience uh, of my life uh, and uh, the scars will last forever. Wow. Yeah. Well, so the statement you re- that you put out how how was that released like was it a press release or was it a It's funny so I did it on Instagram uh so I used to have a Twitter account that was our first account that uh, we ever opened up at without papers for social media and uh I when we opened up social media with uh, sorry when we opened up without papers I I took sort of a George Costanza approach to it meaning that uh, everything that we had done at Sugo didn't seem to work, you know, print media and all the other advertising that we were doing. And so we took this mantra of like, you know what, if that didn't work, let's do the opposite. So we never ran, you know, any ads. And our mantra was always, let's take it to the street. You know, let's take the pizza to the people kind of deal. And uh, we opened up a Twitter account, but you know, I was sort of uh, indifferent to social media, to be honest with you. We had the account, you know, we had post a picture every week of a pizza. And I, I, I really, you know, I wasn't as into it. Uh, certainly wasn't entrenched to it as I was now. Uh, and then about the first summer uh, of the apocalypse, and I refer to the pandemic always as the apocalypse, uh, my business partner, who uh, uh, has a penchant to be on Facebook, but is also a bit older than me. Uh, he's uh, eight years older than me, so he's 59, going 60. And, you know, although he's 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 uh, uh, familiar with uh, technology, I wouldn't say that he's adept at it. And he had this uh, this uh, this penchant to uh, to post everything on Facebook uh, via Siri. Uh, and so uh, anyways, one day, uh, you know, he was on somebody, somebody had made a comment about Trump and uh, he went on and spoke his two cents about it. Uh, but my business partner being a chef and most chefs uh, have this anger about them. I'm not sure why that is too much time in front of a hot stove, I think. Uh, but he likes to scream in his phone, you know, and, and, and when things uh, upset him. And so this got posted onto Facebook uh, all in all caps without punctuation uh, and uh, he mentioned the word Trump and, you know, he spoke out against the Democrats. But the way that it, Siri had translated it was that he was speaking out against democracy. And so, you know, I was sitting one day having a, a soup at the Vietnamese place across the street from where he used to live. And uh, I started getting all these text messages of people like, oh, Jesse, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? You know, the social media is going crazy. And so I went and looked at it and he started to get attacked by people, you know, because of what he said. And uh, I didn't at the time, to be honest with you, really agree with what he said. I didn't understand uh, that, uh, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton was spawned from the devil uh, and all the other things. Uh, But I did respect uh, that that was his right to, uh, you know, to have his own opinion and that he has the right to uh, express his opinion in what I thought was a free country. And so I made a statement, uh, you know, uh, defending uh, his right uh, to say what it was that he pleased. Uh, well, that just added more uh, uh, fuel to the fire and the vitriol started coming 
down on me on uh, on Twitter uh, uh, in a way that I, I couldn't quite understand. So I took uh, about a day to uh, to write a, um, a letter that uh, you know properly said uh, what it was that I wanted to convey, and uh, I realized that you know nobody read that letter, uh, and then I just deleted my Twitter account, you know, flat out deleted it. So when the vaccine passport came out, uh, we only had Instagram. And so I, I, I made that statement on Instagram. And uh, I spent a, a great deal of time uh, writing that statement. Uh, I thought that, uh, you know, there's no way that uh, anything negative could come from it. But uh, I was I was sorely, sorely wrong. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So so you release the statement. Uh, the restaurant is open. You're you're allowed to operate, but need to be checking vaccine status of your of your clients. Um, you release this statement, and then went back to serving pizza. Correct. Well, I'll read the statement for you. So sure, that please do. Yeah. What was? Uh, we accept all. May they be vaccinated or unvaccinated, as being equal in their humanity and afforded the same dignity and equity as such. We respect that the individual has decided in accordance to their situation and allow that individual the right to freedom of thought, belief, opinion, and expression. We will not be in compliance of the City of Calgary bylaw 65M2021. Uh, and everybody asked me, you know, why it was that I put that at the end. Uh, and I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew that it was this specifically that I was speaking out against the medical segregation of society, uh, the discrimination of millions of Canadians uh, for their own personal medical decisions that were forced public and upon doing so to be vilified and ostracized from society. Um, but, uh, you know, it wasn't met uh, the same way that uh, I met it. That's for sure. <laughs> so, OK, well, I. Uh but i'm i'm curious though so you release that statement and it's wonderful it's it's well written i i enjoy it um and but and you remained open and just were serving pizza and not checking vaccine status or? no i refused to check it yeah, so perfect. what happened when i made that statement is that there was a social media influencer in calgary uh, a food blogger who was, uh, you know, the most influential person in Calgary. I won't say her name because people get upset to it, but I refer to her as the cookie monster. Uh, this person lived in uh, the neighborhood. This person literally held my hand up on TV at the beginning of, uh, of uh, Without Papers and, you know, declared me the best pizza in town and the, the greatest uh, restaurant to her alive. Uh, she would come to my restaurant frequently. We supported her uh, whenever asked and many times when not asked. Uh, she, uh, her, you know, she, she came to the restaurant always. And uh, I, I reached out to her privately and said, listen, you know, what, what's going on here? You know, why, why, why are you supporting this? Don't you understand that, you know, this is against uh, everything that uh, the restaurant industry is built upon and, and uh, is truly, you know, a, a very heinous act. And anyways, I failed to realize the influence that this person had amongst the uh, restaurant community and uh, the people who I thought would align behind me and, uh, you know, uh, follow uh, in my, uh, when I was charging, uh, simply could not. Uh, this person came down uh, uh, with a tremendous amount of vitriol on me, uh, said that, uh, you know, eating a pizza in a restaurant uh, was not a right uh, and uh, that uh, I was literally causing uh, grandmothers to die because uh, I allowed an unvaccinated person to sit down. And it was really, truly, you know, ridiculous, even the vaccine passport. So the unvaccinated were allowed to come in 
in, you were allowed to get a pizza. You just weren't allowed to sit down and eat the pizza. Uh, everybody in the restaurant that was working there uh, was not required to be vaccinated. I was not required to be vaccinated. It was lunacy. Uh, and uh, it really, really disappointed me that uh, she came behind it. And so when she attacked me on uh, social media, uh, you know, every restaurant in town basically knew that uh, you know, if they dared align with my values, uh, they were going to uh, receive the same uh, retribution, which was uh, to be hated and uh, ultimately be destroyed. Hmm. Then, then what happened first? I mean, the your business license, your liquor license was taken away. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a shitstorm. Um, and uh, so, I made the, uh, I made the statement. I wasn't in Calgary. Uh, I had opened up a little place in Windermere and uh, we were just closing it down for the season. And uh, I had just traveled out to the island, uh, Vancouver Island, to go visit somebody. And uh, it was there that uh, I decided that uh, I wasn't going to stand for it. And so I made my statement in Vancouver Island. And uh, I was naive as to, uh, you know, what the repercussions were going to be. Uh, But immediately I realized that, uh, you know, I need to get my butt back to Calgary. And so it took me about two days to to get back. And uh, by the time I had arrived, uh, it was, uh, you know, it, it was a whirlwind of activity. There were there were people that had gathered outside and uh, a lot of my staff uh, became very afraid because we were literally, you know, taking calls uh, every day of people telling us that we're grandma killers and what are you doing? You know, you can't accept the, uh, accept the unvaccinated. Um, a few days into it, uh, I'm trying to think what was rescinded first. I think it was, I think it was my liquor license actually that was, uh, that was uh, taken away first. And uh, I, 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 <clears throat> I quickly, you know, fell into uh, down a rabbit hole into despair, and I, you know, I, I really didn't know what to do, and I really truly believed uh, that uh, I was correct uh, in what I was doing. Uh, I truly believed that the charter protected me, um, but I was also, uh, you know, uh, very naive in terms of uh, my my knowledge of the charters. I think we're, you know, in many millions of Canadians, uh, you know, basically the charter is, uh, these are your rights, uh, unless we decide that these are not your rights, uh, because we need to protect you, you know, complete lunacy. Um, so, uh, first it was my, uh, liquor license. Then it was my food handling permit. Uh, then it was my business license, uh, that in effect negated my lease. And, uh, in about, so September 20th, I made the statement and it was on October 9th. Uh, that they came to shut me down. By that point, I was holed up in my restaurant with uh, Rebel News, with Sid Frizzard. And um, that Saturday that they closed me down, uh, uh, I mean, things had gotten to, uh, to, to epic proportions in the restaurant. I mean, we had literally, you know, divided the city, it seemed like. Uh, and uh, there was a lot of people that like, couldn't handle the stress. And, you know, parents were telling their kids that they got to quit and all this sort of stuff. And so at the very end, it was uh, me and just a few staff. And we were literally just giving away pizzas for free because, you know, all our licenses had been rescinded. So uh, we would uh, send pizzas outside onto the street and, you know, put them uh, on the sidewalk and people would grab them and, you know, throw cash into a bucket. Um, and that last day, um, 
I had hoped there was a free, there was a Saturday and it was a, it was Thanksgiving long weekend and there was a freedom rally taking place. And, uh, of course I had become the talk of the town in my, uh, in my beliefs. And I had hoped that, uh, after the rally that, uh, you know, the thousands of people that were there were going to make their way to the restaurant, uh, in support of me. And, uh, so I sat, uh, looking out the window, looking out the window, looking out the window. And I quickly realized that, you know, nobody was coming to help me. Uh, and, uh, I fell into, uh, to uh you know the worst state of harrowing depression that uh, i'd ever been in my life uh and i told a friend of mine i'm like listen let's just you know let's just go for a ride i need to get out of here for a moment and uh, this was maybe about 8 30 at night and uh you know i told sid i was like listen it's thanksgiving you know they're not going to come they're not going to come and i'm just going to take a little break go home with your family because we were just waiting you know at that point for for the authority to show up uh, and so when I left the restaurant and when Sid let, let, left the restaurant, uh, that's when they came in. And when I look back on it now and piece all the details, you know, which I do almost literally every moment of the day, I realized that they were, uh, you know, they had me under surveillance and uh, they were just waiting for the opportune time to uh, come in and shut me down. And that time was when I left the restaurant and when Rebel News had left the restaurant as well. And that's when they swarmed in. Uh, the police escorted AHS, uh, the sheriff uh, and my land. Landlord, uh, and they changed the. They gave us two hours to uh, change the locks, and uh, they booted us out. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was shocking. I do remember uh, there were some protests uh, in support of you guys out front of the building. Was that after you had been removed from it? No, the protest started uh, literally the day uh, I made the uh, the announcement that I wasn't going to be uh, adhering to the bylaw uh, and that I believed all Canadians equal. Uh, people uh, who uh, who believed in freedom uh, just started showing up at the restaurant. Uh, so at first, uh, you know, they were all coming in and my business model changed immediately from, uh, you know, basically every single person in Calgary to uh, just the, uh, you know, the fringe minority showing up <laughs> because everybody else was terrified uh, of literally even, you know, walking past my place uh, for fear that, uh, you know, their neighbors are going to be like, you support those crazy anti-vaxxers, you know, and, and, and attack them. Uh, and so uh, it right away turned into a room full of, uh, of freedom lovers. And, uh, you know, a lot of people thought it was just, uh, you know, all unvaccinated people in there, but that's not true whatsoever. There were plenty of people who took the vaccine that, uh, you know, believed in freedom and liberty. Um, uh, but a- as my licenses started to get uh, rescinded, uh, you know, I realized like, that every day that I was opening uh, was also, uh, you know, increasing the possible litigation against me. And so I decided to just keep the door shut and just give away the pizzas on the street to, you know, remove myself from any possible liability of selling the pizzas. And at that point, uh, people just started to grab to 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 gather outside the, uh, the restaurant organically. Uh, and uh, by the time they shut me down, uh, I, uh, I, I, I fled to those people, you know, the the only people that uh, showed me any compassion. And uh, I continued the uh, the protests. Um, we would gather uh, outside the restaurant on Thursdays. Uh, and uh, I received a lot of flack from the community, from uh, uh, the press, uh, that I was, uh, you know, disrupting uh, business in the neighborhood. And I was, I was sympathetic to that. You know, I, I didn't want to cause anybody else uh, that was all my neighbors around me to lose any business. And the powers that be uh, suggested that I move the protests uh, to the park, uh, sorry, to the parking lot that was on the corner from me, just literally, you know, maybe 25 uh, meters down the street. And uh, I agreed to that. And I said, yeah, you know what, that's, that's, that, that's perfect. 
perfect. Uh, and uh, I devoted uh, a lot of time to uh, making uh, those protests as uh, successful as possible. I viewed that parking lot uh, like my restaurant, you know, and my intention was uh, to fill it up with people who uh, who believed in freedom every single Thursday. Uh, so we did that for uh, quite a few months. And, uh, and then, you know, they realized that um, I wasn't going away that I was going to continue protesting until these mandates uh, were rescinded. Uh, and that was literally all I was protesting. I wanted those man- that particular mandate to be rescinded, and I was going to continue on until that was the case. Uh, but um, uh, there was a lot of hate generated uh, towards me in the neighborhood of Inglewood. I believe that uh, most of it was from the, uh, you know, the vocal minority. Um, and uh, Giancarlo Carra. Joe Cece, Rachel Notley, Jason Kenney, uh, all of them were uh, customers of mine. Jason Kenney lived in Inglewood. Joe Cece lived in Inglewood. Um, Joe, uh, Giancarlo Carra, uh, I had to move out of Inglewood because of scandals that he preferred. But uh, they were all friends of mine. And uh, the pressure came down on them, I believe, from much higher up. And the parking lot that we were gathered in, uh, the January 3rd, they, they fenced off the parking lot. Uh, to, to run, you know, to, to to try to prevent us the right to peaceful protest, uh, we continued on and continued on, and um, yeah, it was it was it was a strange thing. I'd never protested before in my life, um, but I, I I quickly realized that you know it's not inherent, it's not natural uh, for most people, you know, to grab a picket and uh, sign and and get on the street and you know say screw the government, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was and it was particularly hard. Uh, doing it against the uh, COVID passport uh, because you know people were so brainwashed into 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 the into the mantra that uh, if you were to speak out against the you know the vaccine as they they, they perceived it as uh, you received a tremendous amount of hate. I mean, I remember standing out there and you know neighbors and friends driving by giving me the finger. Um, but I noticed uh, something strange uh, very early on in my uh, in my in my rallies. I would notice that there would be mothers. Uh, that would be coming down the street. Now, typically, when a mother is walking down the street with her children and she sees a, a commotion, chaos, it's instinctual uh, for her to remove that children from the chaos. So if they saw us on the street corner, you know, they would literally cross the street in the middle of a jaywalk or they would just, you know, change directions and, and go another way. Uh, but I noticed that there was mothers that were walking down the street, you know, with a baby in a carriage and another young one uh, following behind. Uh, and they were pretending to window shop. They were walking down the street, you know, just getting closer and closer and closer. Uh, and uh, uh, they were doing that so that <clears throat> their neighbors or friends, you know, wouldn't see that they were coming towards us to to seek salvation. And they would come and they would get to the corner and, and you know, they would ask, she would ask, you know, what's going on here? And I would tell them, you know, uh, we're against the vaccine passport and we believe all Canadians to be equal and believe this is tyranny and a lot, a lot, a lot. And they would break down. They would literally break down and cry uh, and say, I'm, I, 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 you know, thank you. And I, I don't know what to do. My, my husband's going to lose his job. We're going to lose our home. My neighbors hate me. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do anymore. And, and. And so I started to pull them into the parking lot rather than being on the street. And I learned very quickly that, uh, you know, if you gave people a place to seek solace, uh, that we were going to have uh, uh, much greater uh, success. And, uh, yeah, the, the protests 
you know, morph from, you know, just me and maybe a dozen or two dozen people on the street holding pickets to to occupying the parking lot itself and being, you know, set away from the street. Uh, we were having fires and, uh, you know, because it was wintertime and everybody was bringing food and it turned into a potluck and it it really just turned into a, a, a support uh, for all the people who felt, uh, you know, ostracized uh, from uh, society. Uh, and it started to uh, gain popularity and uh, the powers that be, you know, saw that uh, it was gaining traction uh, and uh, they took uh, whatever steps necessary to stop that. So they fenced off our parking lot. And, um, yeah, it was the, really the most childish thing. And if you think about it, when they fenced off that child, that parking lot, you know, parking in that community uh, is very scarce to begin with. And they literally, you know, closed down this parking lot under the premise of doing renovations. You know, it was the middle of January. Uh, it was literally minus 30. And it was like, you guys just renovated this this parking lot a year ago, you know, uh, put in a couple of benches and put a sign over there that said love and painted some fuchsia lines. Uh, and now you're going to renovate it again. I mean, everybody knew it was a, it was a ruse. Um, but yeah, they did the most ridiculous things. Um, and so we did that up until, uh, the end of January. And, uh, that's when I joined, uh, the, uh, the, the movement that was in Coots. Uh, and while I was in Coots, uh, the mandates were rescinded and the Inglewood rally stopped. Well, I'd like to hear about, uh, your, your, uh, experience at Coots, but, uh, you know, I think it's, it's fair to say that these, these protests did did make a difference. I mean, uh, we saw with what was happening in Ottawa and at Coots, um, all the all these uh, provincial governments at once kind of started uh, really paying attention and dropping some of this stuff. The feds dug their heels in more, of course, but, um, you know, I, I think what you guys were doing, I think you can say that it did have an impact, but uh, if you want to talk about that or we can talk about... Uh, what was happening I, down I, at Coots? Yeah, I wouldn't mind talking about that. You know, I, I look back on it now, and honestly, I, I question every day, uh, you know, what prompted me to make my decisions because it, it resulted in, you know, my complete financial ruin. Um, but uh, I take solace in the fact that there were there were hundreds of people, thousands of people, you know, all around the world uh, that wrote to me uh, and thanked me that, uh, you know, said that uh, I gave them hope when they had none uh, and inspired them to uh, speak out and uh, protest themselves. So, you know, I, I, I used to say that, you know, each person gives another person strength and uh, the power is the people, you know, and it's when they try to take away the voice of the people uh, and when people start to believe that they don't have power, you know, that's when they do uh, hold the uh, the power. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Yeah. Jesse, tell me about uh, your experience down at Coots. Yeah. So, you know, like uh, millions of other Canadians uh, who were uh, uh, distraught, uh, who thought that they were all alone. um, I started to get word of uh, this trucker convoy that was taking place uh, that was going to uh, convene in Ottawa and uh, demand uh, equality for all Canadians. And, uh, you know, for the first time since uh, I lost my restaurant, uh, I had, uh, I had, I had hope and uh, I had a belief that, you know, perhaps we weren't going to be uh, persecuted forever. Uh, I uh, first uh, uh, saw the convoy in Golden, uh, which is just uh, an hour north of me. Uh, I drove up there uh, and uh, we watched them uh, at the beginning driving by and uh, it was it was it was beautiful. You know, all these families that uh, had uh, gathered along the side of the highway and uh, just giving support for these people that were supporting them. And, uh, you know, they continued on to uh, Ottawa. And 
I was thinking in my head, like, man, I'm just going to jump in my car and, you know, and, and keep on driving with them. Uh, and for whatever reason, I, I, I you know, I wasn't ready or the, the, I, 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 I'm not sure why it was, but, um, I stayed back and, uh, you know, it started to gain momentum. It started to gain momentum. And then, you know, uh, uh, before they had gotten, I, I believe to Ottawa, or would that have been before? Maybe they were already in there. Uh, but, uh, I got wind of, uh, a protest that was taking place in Coots, Alberta, uh, just three short, uh, hours, uh, south of Calgary. Uh, I had gotten word that, uh, some farmers and some truckers, uh, were gathering at the border, uh, and, uh, were protesting the vaccine mandates. Uh, I considered it my, uh, my duty, uh, an obligation, uh, to go and join these people, uh, whose values aligned with mine, uh, who provided me uh, with uh, you know a glimmer of, uh, of of hope and salvation? So I drove down to Coots uh, by myself uh, in the middle uh, you know uh, in the middle of the night. Uh, I made the decision not the middle of the night. Sorry, it was you know it was the middle of the afternoon. I started driving and uh, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I passed through Lethbridge. Uh, Lethbridge. I went to University of Lethbridge. Uh, you know eons ago, and uh, I was hungry. It was about nine thirty at night. And I decided that uh, I was going to go to a restaurant. I won't name the restaurant. Uh, it's on social media as to where I went to. But I stopped into a very, uh, you know, uh, popular uh, teriyaki restaurant. And uh, they were closing in about 20 minutes. And I got myself a plate of rice. And I was fully prepared to, uh, you know, go out and eat it in the car because uh, I was no longer an equal member of society. Uh, but the girl that was running the till, you know, asked me if uh, I would like the pleasure of sitting down to eat it. And I thought to myself, yes, you know, I would like the pleasure of sitting down to eat it. Uh, and so she said, well, you know, we need to check your vaccine passport. And uh, I had a little thing. I'm like, you're kidding me. You know, you guys are checking that disgusting passport. Don't you understand? This is against the whole premise of our industry and hospitality. And yada, yada, yada. And I saw that she became very nervous. And I thought, OK, well, you know, I'll just keep quiet. And uh, I could see in the back, you know, they were all looking at me. And for some reason, uh, you know, uh, they could see that, uh, uh, you know, I was uh, outspoken about my cause and uh, they became very nervous. Uh, so they passed me my, uh, you know, my plate of rice. And uh, at that moment in time, I was like, you know what? There's nobody even in this restaurant. It's a bloody it's a bloody blizzard in the middle of the prairies. Nobody's coming here. I'm going to sit down and eat my rice. All right. So I sat down quietly and ate my rice. And I could see that it caused them, uh, you know, a great deal of trepidation. Uh, and uh, uh, just before I finished the meal, I saw a police officer show up and I was flabbergasted, you know, and I, I looked at these people and I, I thought to myself, what the heck are you doing? Uh, you know, and I looked at the guy behind the, 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 the stove and I was like, my brother, you know, I've been a restaurant too for 20 years. Do you know what I've never done? phone the cops on a customer for eating a plate of rice you should be ashamed of yourself you know and then I, I gave it to the cop too i said what the hell is going on i'm sitting down eating they phoned the and, and and he aligned with me i couldn't believe it you know and he let me go and uh i i drove down to coots from there which is about another hour and uh it was just the you know it was very very early on and maybe i was there on the the second day uh and uh it was a it was a surreal experience uh, there was uh, cop cars, you know, and, and just stretched all across the uh, the highway into the prairies. Uh, and at that point, there was just a there was just a few of us. You know, I'm going to say that maybe there was there was 50, uh, you know, cars and trucks and tractors and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I just parked my car beside everybody else. And uh, we I, I quickly met up with somebody else that I, I recognized from Calgary and um 
Yeah, yeah, we, we we came down in alignment with the people who, you know, literally were were holding a border demanding that uh, the Alberta government, uh, you know, rescind the vaccine mandates and uh, give us back our equality. Uh, and that movement, uh, it grew so quickly, it, it grew exponentially. And uh, from the first days that we were there, that 50 people that by the end, uh, there was the, the, the lineup uh, of cars literally stretched for kilometers. Let's see, I, I guess I'd like to know, are, what are you up to now? Like, are you in the restaurant business still? Kind of. Uh, I have a little, little tiny place in Windermere. Um, it's a seasonal business and, uh, you know, we're literally operating outside out of a food truck. So during the winter, I'm unfortunately not able to, uh, to do anything. Um, but, um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, <clears throat> it's a weird, weird time in my life. You know, I mean, I've, I've been an entrepreneur, uh, literally my, my entire life. Uh, I operated my restaurants for 20 years. Uh, my entire existence was, uh, built about around being, uh, you know, about people, about filling a room and, uh, you know, having a, a certain environment. And I spend a lot of time alone now. Uh, and, uh, I spend a lot of time, you know, questioning, uh, my decisions and my purpose. And you realize uh, I'm 51 years old now that, uh, you know, I don't have quite the same, uh, the same energy and drive that I used to. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think what to do with my life now, to be honest with you. And I, I, I still don't know. Right. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, that is, that's tough. And I, you know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people who lost a lot during this pandemic. I mean, um, no, I'm not trying to say that, you know, it, every, you're not alone in, in a lot of it, you know, I mean, what they, what they did to us was, was terrible. The amount of people that suffered in their businesses. I mean, I saw, you know, I'm in South Calgary and, you know, places, a lot of places were just boarded up. I mean, even now, maybe just new owners are moving in and reopening things, right? It's uh, really tough to watch. It is. Yeah, it is. You know, and, and, and there's a certain irony to my story. And when I, when I look back on it and try to think, I'm like, you know, why did I call myself without papers pizza? A lot of people think that I came up with that name, you know, after, but uh, that was, that was the name from the beginning, you know, 11 years ago. And how is it that uh, my rune, uh, my destruction came for refusing to check papers? Uh, it, uh, it, 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 I really think that there's some providence to it, and for some reason, uh, I was I was chosen for this. I, I really believe that, you know, or I have to believe it uh, because if I don't, um, you know, I have no purpose. Okay, yeah. Well, it's a fantastic name and ironic, but but uh, where did you come up with the name? It was a play on the term WAP, uh, and so originally I was going to call. Uh, we were going to call it WAP. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the term, but WAP is a derogatory term for, you know, Italian, uh, Italian, uh, Canadian immigrants. And uh, I used to joke around, you know, I'm half WAP, half slop. Uh, uh, my my father's uh, Italian, my mother's, uh, you know, Saskatchewan. Um, and uh, but we were a bit concerned uh, uh, that people would, uh, you know, take the name negatively. And uh, one day we were waiting to open. We were waiting for all our permits. We had all the construction done and, and we still hadn't gotten our permits done. We were stuck in red tape and uh, we had some food critics uh, over because uh, we had owned uh, Basugo and, you know, they knew of us and, uh, you know, they came over to do a, to do a story. And 
Uh, one of them asked us whether or not we were going to be part of the Neapolitan Pizza Association, uh, which is an association that says that, uh, you know, if you want to make uh, this style of pizza, you have to buy these tomatoes and this cheese and adhere to these laws and all this sort of stuff. And my business partner, you know, was like, oh, screw that. You know, we're not going to be part of any organization. We're going to be without papers. And I realized at that point that, yeah, you know what, let's call it without papers, which most people uh, uh, confuse as the acronym for WAP, even though WAP is, 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 is three letters and without is only two, right? But um, uh, so we called it without papers and uh, knowing that most people would just refer to it as WAP. And that's how we got, uh, you know, around uh, people thinking that, uh, you know, we were somehow racist or hating Italians for calling it WAP. Yeah, self, self-hating Italians. Yeah, yeah, it was just a little, uh, yeah, it was just to have a little fun, to be honest with you. Yeah, oh, for sure. Well, it's a, it is a, it is a fantastic name, and even it does play into the, um, you know, history of Italian immigration in in different places and whatnot, also because the Italians were obviously early, early immigrants to to the Americas, right? And, uh, and no, exactly. I was raised by my Italian uh, grandparents who immigrated to Canada in the mid fifties. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a wonderful culture and, uh, I certainly didn't mean uh, anything derogatory towards it with, uh, calling it without papers pizza. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, okay. Well, here's like, here's something else. Uh, so you, it, your food truck and I'm, I'm, uh, just curious about this. Does it, uh, do you take it to other places other than Windermere or is it pretty much stationary? No, I don't. Uh, it is stationary. And uh, it's sort of a funny thing about that food truck. So before the apocalypse, uh, we were literally so busy in the restaurant that we would park that food truck behind it uh, on the weekends. And we would do all our takeout and delivery out of the food truck because our oven inside could not handle the volume of all the customers we were doing on top of takeout and delivery. Uh, But once uh, the apocalypse happened, uh, that food truck just became non-essential. Uh, and, uh, you know, I would literally just go in it to, to have a cigarette when it was cold. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was useless. And, um, about a year into the apocalypse, you know, I, as I said, I'd recognize that, uh, you know, I, 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 I had some tremendous risks and one of them was being that, uh, I didn't own the space that I was in, uh, meaning that, uh, you know, uh, if anybody catches wind, uh, of how I think about what's going on right now, uh, you know, I could lose it. And so a little, little, little piece of land came up, uh, for sale in, uh, Windermere, British Columbia, and it was zoned commercially. And, uh, we had been trying to buy the buildings that we were in for 20 years and were unsuccessful. And, uh, it was just the, the right moment in time between myself, uh, my father and my business partner. Uh, we had just enough money to, uh, to buy this little parcel of land. And, uh, I made like this cool outdoor deck and we parked the truck there. Uh, and now to be honest with you, I, I, I can't move that truck because, uh, uh, you know, I can't afford the insurance. I can't afford the registration. Uh, I can't afford the gasoline. So uh, we leave it where it's been, where it is. And uh, it is a, a truly magical little spot, actually. It, it's hard to explain. But yeah, yeah. If anybody wants to uh, come and see and talk to me, it's called Pow Pizza. Pow Pizza. And we do it Detroit style. Yeah, it's a Detroit style pizza there. We came up with the name Pow as a, it was the exact opposite of WAP. Uh, so at WAP, we did thin crust Neapolitan pizzas. At Pow, we do these uh, extremely thick crust uh, Detroit style pizzas. And so WAP Pow, that's how we came up with the name. And it's also quite a bit of irony, you know, that uh, after I was banished from uh, Without Papers Pizza, uh, I uh, I fled to uh, Pow, you know, prisoner of war. <laughs> yeah, wow. 
that's that is something crazy. When we were talking about, you know, what we plan for my future, um, uh, there is one thing that I want to do, and uh, I want to sue the government. Uh, I realize that there's a, a futility to that and a tremendous amount of money uh, that's required to do that. Uh, but it is my intention to do so. Uh, and uh, I believe that there's a, a great many people uh, all around Canada and the world uh, who believe that uh, what was done to me uh, was uh, against the law itself. Uh, I believe that they enacted that vaccine passport uh, as a bluff. Uh, because they knew that uh, nobody, even though they knew that that vaccine passport was against the law, uh, but they also believed that uh, nobody would dare speak out against it uh, because of the futility of trying to uh, hold the government accountable. Uh, but it is my intention uh, to hold the government accountable, and it is my intention to get back what was stolen from me. Well, wonderful. So have you made any progress with that? Have you been in... Not at all. No. Not at all. You know, I, I, I also realized uh, right off the bat that it wasn't quite the right time. Uh, the court systems uh, in Canada, I believed, uh, are corrupt, uh, just like the government. Uh, and uh, uh, there was uh, no chance whatsoever. But there was one thing I learned uh, in the legal industry. Uh, a great uh, friend of mine was uh, Crown Prosecution uh, for uh, uh, for the for the for the Canadian government, and I attended uh, a lot of his trials and learned a lot about the legal system. Uh, and the best piece of legal advice I'd ever received was uh, uh, just wait. Just wait. Time has a way of uh, changing things. Uh, and I believe that it's not quite ready, uh, but uh, the narrative is changing. Uh, and uh, that soon, perhaps, I might have a chance of uh, successfully, um, you know, receiving the retribution that I that I deserve. Yeah. OK, well, I'd look forward to hearing more about that. And and I think you're right. It is crazy. It's crazy how many people now come out and say things like they were never in support of these mandates or the uh, lockdowns, the vaccine mandates in particular, uh, when, you know, when they were, you know, and time has a way of, it's, uh, it, it, we've seen it before in history too, right? People will like when, you know, in the past when different social norms might have uh, not been acceptable and people railed against them and then Today, those same people lie through their teeth saying that uh, they never supported something like that, right? So, yeah, yeah, and I do feel that the uh, that the narrative is changing, and I, I like to say that uh, you know there's there's three things that can't be hidden for long: uh, the the sun, the moon, and the truth. And uh, it is unfortunate uh, that the truth is being exposed uh, regarding uh, the vaccine itself uh, and uh, the horrible governance uh, that uh, resulted uh, in so many millions and billions uh, being uh, forced to take it. Um, you know, I really I, I pray for all mankind. I realize now after falling into this uh, this uh, rabbit hole that this is a spiritual war uh, between good and evil. And uh, I try to sometimes think, you know, who is it that could have orchestrated uh, this uh, this terrible atrocity uh, against mankind? And I believe that uh, it was literally the devil himself. Um, and so, I think a lot of people have to uh, have to have to realize that uh, you know this is a spiritual war uh, that we're uh, leaving the uh, you know the age of Pisces and coming into the age of Aquarius. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's a time of enlightenment now. And as Horrific uh, as this whole experience is, is uh, I have to say that uh, it is uh, an amazing time to be alive, uh, to be able to witness uh, the greatest psyop that's ever been perpetrated upon mankind. Uh, it is truly astounding. And the censorship 
propaganda that exists uh, in this nation uh, is at uh, a dystopian uh, Orwellian level. And, you know, when you talk about the people who who perhaps didn't speak out, I, I think there was a lot of people who did speak out, uh, but their voice was never heard because of the censorship that existed on virtually every single social media platform, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, you know, pillars of, uh, of censorship and propaganda uh, and all the rest of them the same as well. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I encourage everybody uh, to speak out uh, and to, uh, you know, to say their opinion uh, for if you can't, uh, you truly live under tyranny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, very well said. Uh, Jesse, I want to thank you a lot for, for making the time to, to tell us your story. And I can definitely say I haven't tried POW pizza, but I trust very much that the pizza at POW in Windermere is excellent, having enjoyed a lot of pizza at Without Papers. Some, sometimes I might have even had a few too many glasses of wine before I got out of there. But uh, Well, that's all right. You know, that's part of the experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, Jesse. Thank you so much, sir. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, to all the freedom lovers out there, uh, uh, please have peace and harmony and uh, raise your vibrations. And uh, let's continue the fight against uh, the evil that exists. That was Jesse Johnson, owner of Without Papers Pizza. You can follow him on Twitter at WOPizza. And if you like the Darcy Drill podcast, subscribe on Substack. Substack.